You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to the season opening podcast. Today, I have Santana Moss talking about the Redskins' young receivers, and one guy that he really likes to watch. Then there's also Trey Quinn talking about some of his route running and his favorite office character. And then I'm joined by my ESPN counterpart in Philadelphia, Tim McManus, for some intel on the Eagles. But first, here's my interview with Santana Moss. So now I'm joined by former Redskins receiver Santana Moss. And before I get to Santana, I've got to tell you, and people a lot of times ask me, who's one of the best guys you've covered? And I always put, I always say, there's no doubt in my mind that Santana Moss is in the top three. And sometimes I don't even, I'm not even sure who the other two are. But Santana, you're always in my top three for guys that I have dealt with because I always loved his professionalism. And I don't think I ever had an interview with Santana or I saw an interview with Santana where he was anything but professional level-headed and the same and I just I always 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 appreciated that about you so I thank you for that I appreciate that man kind work yeah so anyways let's get to it and I think that I want to start obviously you played receiver I want to start with the Redskins receiver core because there are a lot of questions about that group when you look at this group what do you see I see some um some 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 um some young talent some very talented young guys um one of the things that stands out to me is uh watching them in the preseason you know even though we hadn't seen terry mclaurin the whole preseason i just knew i just knew what i just knew all the wows that that went on about him you know from what he was doing in training camp and i was just expecting like hey regardless of when he gets out there i'm pretty sure this guy's gonna be ready to go mm-hmm. and then when you see the other cats you see kelvin Harmon go out there and make plays when you saw um guys like Cam Sims, guys like Steven Sims, all these guys had so much potential. Uh, when it all panned out, you know, they had to line up. When they asked me last week, I was saying to myself, the lineup had to be Paul Richardson, Terry, Trey Quinn. Uh, I even put Doxson in there at right. the time. And I said, Kelvin, and then I said, you know, uh, either either Robert Davis or Cam Sims. But I said, you can't forget this guy, Steven Sims, yeah. something about him. And then all of a sudden that night happened, you know, the preseason game mm-hmm. on Thursday, and Steven Sims broke out, and I'm saying, he's going to make the squad, yeah. all because of what he did tonight. Now, he made flashes throughout the whole preseason, but that, that particular night he showed that we hadn't, we hadn't missed this from our receiver core the last few years. So I knew he was going to be a guy that made the squad. And then when I heard the next morning or the next two mornings uh, that Dawson was going to be a guy that didn't get released, I was like, wow. But then when I thought about it, I'm like, you know what? All these guys have something else that they, they offer you. They offer you help on a special team. Right. So you have a guy like Steven Smith, Sims Jr., he can play punt return, kick return. You got a guy like Kevin Hartman. He's a guy, he's young, 
he can probably be put out there if they need to. But 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 Terry has been a guy that played special teams in right. college. Um, Robert Davis has showed that he played special teams, and then Cam Sims, who they end up putting on practice squad. He was a guy that was running down on kickoffs and stuff like that too. So all these guys had something else that they could offer you. So that left a guy like you know Josh Doxson to me, you know, um, hanging where that even though that he hadn't did much, I can say this preseason, I didn't think they gave him a chance to do much in the last couple of years. Really, right. he he was the last, last man standing, and that's why he had to be the guy that they let go because other guys had more value. And that, that's one thing I did want to ask you. I'm going to get into some more of the young receivers, but real quick on Josh, what did 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 you what did you how did you evaluate him as a receiver? Because there's obviously been a lot of talk about him over the last couple of years. You know, I was high on the guy, and I'm still high on him, man. You know, Josh went through stuff, and I think one of the things he's going to learn from this experience, we all learn. You know, this, you know, we live and learn that he needs to be a little more vocal. I'm not saying need to be heard, but when it's time to speak up for yourself, speak up. Because Josh was in a situation where he got injured early and, you know, oh, well, he couldn't do much. The next year, coming off that injury, he had to get his feet back wet and, and, and get used to being out there and being a guy. And he did that. He showed flashes so he can be a, he can be a great guy. He, can be a, he had great potential. One drop, two drop here, you know, people fold on you and people say, well, oh, he dropped that pass. That pass, I think, in Denver has set the tone for everything else that these, you know, these fans and what the, uh, you know, the um, DMV saw of him as a receiver. And to me, I felt that that shouldn't been been hung over his head as if he couldn't make those plays. Yeah, he caught the ball, he came down, the ground caused the fumble, really, if you ask me. You know what I mean? But he mm-hmm. didn't make the catch. And then, you know, you saw flashes again here and there. But I think when things went crazy for him is when the opportunities wasn't given as much as right. people expected and when you have a drop or two. So you get three opportunities and you have a drop, then now people are looking at you as a guy who just has the drop season. You can't catch passes. And I'm looking at you as you give the man more attempts, you, you're going to forget that drop. So he was in a situation, man, just didn't fit for him. And uh, I, I saw potentially he's going to be a guy that we bring in that go elsewhere and probably flourish and be a little better than what he was here because he had the experiences he had here. And I just hate to see him in this situation, but – I truly believe the best happened to him. For him to go ahead and be able to cut that cord here and be able to go somewhere else where he's going to be appreciated and he has a chance to start over, and now he knows what it takes to be, you know, to get off on the right foot and go out there and put in some good work. And with going back to the young receivers too, because when you were, and this is one of the things that I really want to talk to you about too, is this, when you were a young receiver, because they have a lot of guys adjusting to the NFL now, what was the hardest adjustment as a young ride receiver? For me, it was a little different because – I believe by week two of the preseason uh, or training camp, I was ready. Hmm. You know, I was out there with the – I was with the ones. I was doing all I had to do to be, you know, uh, counted on and being that guy. And I was ready to go. And then a couple of days later, I tear my knee up. Right. So my hardest adjustment was getting used to the speed of the game after having to sit back and miss all that time and those reps and then my body get out of whack, and then just me trying to get back into the, those gears that I was used to. You know what I mean? My my experience is a lot different from a lot of these other sure. guys. I believe if you come out of college and you don't have no setbacks and you're able to go right into the thick of things, go to practice, go every day, you should be able to get acclimated real soon. I mean, pretty fast. But when you have what I had and what Josh Doxson had the experience, you have to recalibrate everything and now get adjusted to getting your body back 
as well as getting used to something that's pretty much not, you know, normal for you. Because the NFL is a different game. You know, these guys are at a different speed. And as a receiver, I learned that instantly. And it took me all the way into that next year, mm-hmm. my, my, my second year, to really, really say, okay, now I feel like I'm almost back to myself. And that was halfway middle of the season when I really felt like I was Santana all over again. And that's why when I look at these guys who don't have the hiccups or have the setbacks, they should be able to get into that mode quick if they're that kind of player. If they're not, it takes them longer than sure. they're not that kind of guy. I believe the guys that are out there putting in the work and don't have to worry about no missing no time, they should be able to you know, get used to the speed and get used to that tempo because they're out there going through it. One of the things, too, that jumped out with me, with I talked to Terry McLaurin um, about this in training camp, and I'd see some other guys doing stuff. But McLaurin would talk about how Dominique rogers Cromartie would work with him on some of the routes, or at least tell him things that he's doing. Because, and I'll, as an example, in the spring, I would watch McLaurin go up against Cromartie, and Cromartie was never fooled. And it's like he always knew, you know, he might give a stem to the outside, but he always knew he was coming back inside. And so then I talked to Terry about that in the summer, and he said that after talking to Cromartie and, and whatever, that he started running his routes a little bit differently, showing a different balance on his routes and not, you know, dipping his more, whatever, however he, whatever he adjusted. And then I also saw Cromartie and sometimes Josh Norman working with some of the young receivers after practice, notably Kelvin Harmon. How important is that stuff in terms of their development? Oh, that's very important. That's something that stood out to me. Even from my first days in college, that happened to me. I had Dwayne Starks. Hmm. Here I am, I'm a walk-on, and everybody was high on all the other guys, Reggie Wayne and everybody else who was, who was our number one receivers at the time. Reggie wasn't the number one receiver, but he showed an instant impact, you know, first couple of days of camp. And everybody was like, man, this guy can catch everything. And But you hear me. You, all you saw from me is, and all you knew of me as a, a receiver, as just a walk-on guy. Mm. But by second practice of the first day, all the you know all the DBs like, man, this guy over here got <laughs> something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He just he just not no guy that can't play football. And that was the secret. I, I was a great football player. I just got in the door the way I got in the uh, door. At the time, Dwayne Starks was mm. our senior cornerback, all Big East honors, you name it, and he. Say, hey, you know, I'm following you around every day. And I was kind of pissed off as a young guy, like, man, come on, man, you can make it hard for me, knowing that <laughs> he was the guy. He really, he was he was all biggies, you name it. But as the weeks went on, I saw myself get better. And then the guy who I became to be, I looked back at that and I'm like, man, Dwayne Stark hmm. got me ready to play my first year, not knowing I was gonna play this year out the gate. I was ready because Dwayne Stark. Fast forward, I get drafted to the New York Jets. Aaron Glenn, that's the first oh, yeah. thing he did. The first day of practice, Aaron Glenn said, look, I'm following you around. Now, having that experience in college, I was ready for it. And I was I was looking forward to it because now I get a chance to strut my stuff against one of the best. And every day, me and Aaron Glenn got out there. We got to the point to where uh, it wasn't easy for Aaron and it wasn't easy for me, but it made both of us better. And by week week two, Aaron was trying to say, hey, you know what? You know, Marcus Coleman, you come get some of this. And I was looking forward to Marcus Coleman because he was a bigger guy, and mm-hmm. I knew he wasn't going to be ready for the stuff that I had. So uh, it's funny now that I, when I watched the guys participate after practice, when I saw, you know, Josh Norman going out there mm-hmm. and doing some things with uh, Kelvin, and I heard the stories with Terry saying that, you know, these guys have showed up. It only going to make these guys better. And when they get a chance to play against that competition in a real-life game, it's going to give them you – know, they'll be ahead of the curve and know what to expect because these guys have pretty much tutored them and showed them what to expect and what to be ready for. 
is there something with looking at this offense from a receiver's perspective? Is there because one of the things I know inside that building is that they feel confident that Jay's offense can get guys open. Do you look at it that way? If so, why 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 is it like that? What do you think? Oh, uh, you know what? I, I I can't sit here and say because I didn't really play that much in Jay's offense. Right, to right. To be honest with you, but it was similar to me to what we was doing with Shanahan's offense. Yeah. You know, so. I, I, I see the same particular, you know, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's it's the same offense. Jay has a different way of, you know, calling plays and doing things, but it's the same offense. So I'm sure you can get open in any offense. You right. know what I mean? You put the proper, right coverage out there, you beat your man, you can get open. Um, when it comes to how he gets guys open, when you see CP getting the ball, you see, you know, the tight ends being able to do what they do. Yeah, all those guys, can they're going to have a chance to really do their thing. I think what we've been missing for the last few years um, is having everybody healthy. Right. And especially last year, we had Alex, but he was holding on to things because he was still trying to get used to everything. Right. And he's one. He was one of those guys. Even where he came from, he was known not to take those chances with right. with our uh, you know with the balls with his passes. Um, this year already, man, you see from all the guys, you know, uh, Coke hasn't had a chance to go out there, but I know what Coke is going to bring right. and he get the opportunity. But from Case and from Haskins, you see these guys taking those opportunities that those guys didn't get last year. So I'm looking forward to these wideouts mm. shocking a lot of folks this, you know, this year because I believe the opportunity is going to come. Case Keenan has been known to be a gunslinger. I think the one thing we worry about the most is him is turning the ball over. Right. So we will hope that he don't take those chances when they're not given. But what these guys have to know about Case Keenan, if the DB make a wrong move and he's snoozing back there, He's coming to you with the ball. He showed that early in the preseason, both games, the first and second game. So I'm hoping that their antennas are up because being a, being a spectator, mine is up. I know when Casey's in the game, he's ready for somebody to, you know, to make a mistake. And that's what you want as a receiver. You want that quarterback to know that this guy's slipping, give me the rock. And even if this guy's not slipping, if I'm beating him, give me the rock. So they're going to have a lot of opportunities. It's going to be up to them what name they make for themselves because the opportunity is going to definitely come this year. There's a lot of pessimism surrounding this offense, though, because of the youth there, because of, you know, with, with Case Keenum, and I agree with everything you said about him. He's got all those qualities. But, you know, people here aren't going to, you know, you're not, there's the confidence is still uncertain. And then you have the left side of the line. What, what do you, when you look at this offense, are you optimistic? Do you feel good about where things are going? Well, you know what? If you know me like you do, you know yes. I'm very optimistic. Yeah, you're yes. Every year, I, I'm a positive person. I'm a positive thinker. I'm always thinking the best. You got to prove me wrong. Um, I'm optimistic, but to be honest with you, I still have something in the back of my head that think that we are not where we want to be because of the Trent situation. Right. I think that that situation alone has put us in some quicksand, and I'm hoping that you know we know how to get out of it. Um, one, with the guys that we have that we have to replace them on that side, and two, with just the situation as a total uh, that the next man step up and we should be able to still go out there and run our offense because we have NFL-caliber guys that's playing their position and that's going to do enough for us not to miss Trent that much. Uh, if we can hold on to what we have and those guys be productive at their positions individually, we can count on our offensive line, staying healthy, everybody being there, and being accountable, running backs, blocking, picking up their blitzes, picking up their guys, the quarterback making his reads, hitting the open guy, the receiver running the right route, beating their guys. This offense can do some things because the running back's position alone 
I'm high on these guys. Yeah. You know, regardless of what guy gets the ball, I think they can get the job done. So it's going to all lead up to uh, what the offensive line do, the quarterback does, and the receivers being what they are. You know, right now I think they have the potential of the group. And the tight end also. We got to see what Jordan Reed, right. you know, is going to bring. I think that having him healthy is going to bring a different dimension that we had in a long time because I think this is the year that he's really going to show you know what I mean, that he's fully back. I know we have right now worrying about this, uh, you know, concussion protocol and everything, but I'm crossing my fingers and hoping that that's not as serious as it has been in the past with him. But uh, if we have a healthy Jordan Reed, one, the tight end is going to be the guy that we probably run our passing game through. Yep. And with the way we go in Jay's offense from inside to outside, yep. you know, that slot receiver is going to be vital too, you know. So they say Trey Quinn is the guy. Um, you know, Trey Quinn still has a lot to prove to me. I'm not sure. Right. I think with Steven Sims showing what he shows, he's my slot receiver right now. I, I'm going to find a way to put this guy in the game because I think he's a dynamic guy. And what he brings to the receiver position and to the offense, I think is what's been missing, you know, from, from years ago with Deshaun and myself when I yep. was at my prime doing my thing and getting the rock like, like I was supposed to. Uh, he has that game breaker game changer mentality and I think you know when he gets the ball and saying that's what happens and this is the last question and on Sims I agree with you and I think the one thing to be watched too is like in this this era where jet action the jet sweep action is so big Steven Sims Mm -hmm. is perfect to run that whether to carry it or to because if you're a defender you're going to have to honor that a lot more than they had to run do with Maurice Harris last year when they had to have him run it sometimes last thing is there a guy on this offense that you really enjoy watching and and who is that Man, you know what? Uh, before Jordan Reed, it's, it's, it's always been Jordan Reed, but since, since he had been down and hasn't been himself in the last year, I think a guy that stood out to me just seeing and knowing a guy was Adrian Peterson. Hmm. Now, uh, not knowing how much, you know, you know carries that he's going to be having to share this year or, or if it's going to be Darius Geis showing Adrian get his, you know, as he get it. Um I think Geis is going to probably be a new guy that I, I pay a lot of attention to. Yeah. I think he has potential of being a great, you know, uh, running back in this league. I think the only thing that's going to hold Geis down is how much other stuff he got going on around him because he's a guy that seems like he loves the attention and he's eager to go out there and do and show people and prove to people who he is. I think one of the things about this game, you can't get caught up into all that stuff on the outside or what people saying and what they, you know, how people perceive you. I think if you just continue to be ready and go out there and play good football the way that I saw him play in that preseason game and knowing that he can play just from how he played in college, I think he's going to be one of those backs we talk about, like the Camaros and like the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, McCaffrey's and, you know, you name those those young backs that's out there doing their thing. I have I think guys have that potential to be one of those backs, but I hope that he takes his time and not be too in a rush to show and prove to somebody because he had nothing to prove. He had right. nothing but talent. And that's, you know, that's seen very loudly when you watch him you know, touch the ball. Awesome. Folks, that's why I always enjoy talking to Santana Moss. Everything you just heard is what I dealt with him for the entire time since he's been in Washington. Santana, thank you very much for joining me. Oh, thank you, man, always. Coming up, one of the guys that Santana just talked about was receiver Trey Quinn. I have an interview with Trey where he's talking about his route running and even his favorite office character. Welcome back. Now here's my interview with Trey Quinn. Just one note. 
This interview was done before his injury and it was earlier in the preseason, but it was good, so I still wanted to share it with you. Now, here's Trey Quinn. Slot thing for you and you know why, you know, think clear that they've seen something in you. Um, you saw it in yourself last year. because um, you felt pretty good coming in last year. How much better do you feel this year, even compared to then, when just as far as what you know and what you what you feel you can do out there? Um, I'm always I've always been confident in my confident in my abilities. Uh, just I wanted an opportunity and uh, they're kind of opening it up with uh, the departure of JC going to get his money. So uh, I'm just looking for the availability and uh, to make go make plays and. That's my job, and that's what I plan to do. This might sound like a silly question because you have to have a belief in yourself. But what did you see in yourself that always gave you that level of confidence? Was there something that you, you know, would see that's like, as soon as people see this, I'm going to be, you know, I'll be okay? Uh, I'm just a competitor that can make plays. And uh, put those two together, uh, it, it's, it's pretty easy. Um, you, you come out here and uh, trust in your abilities and trust everything that you can do. And uh, as a receiver, if you can catch the rocks, I mean. The rest will take care of itself. What do you feel you do well inside? What's, what do you feel your strength is as a slot? Uh, I feel like I can, just, I can get open, uh, man or zone. Uh, I'm, I feel like I'm quick. I'm in and out of breaks. Um, and I trust my hands just as uh, much as anybody else, if not more. Uh, and I, I have the ability to know the offense really well, and I, I enjoy studying the offense. So I just get to know that, uh, try and look at it from a, each perspective of position. Uh, and kind of works out in the end. One of the things I've noticed, and I don't—I could be wrong on this, but a lot of times, top of your route, you seem to do a really good job of kind of nudging into a defender and popping out, almost like in basketball, guys popping out on the wing or something like that. Is that something that you? Is that it seems like a subtle move that helps you create some separation? To I top. think it. Uh, I think that's what I bring to the table that a lot of slot guys don't is I'm kind of a bigger stature. Right. Um, I carry a lot of weight with me. That's. I mean, it's lean weight and it's good weight, um, but I'm big enough to play Z and X, and uh, but I'm. Quick enough to play inside, and you put those together. And I, so, if anybody wants to get physical with me, it's not a thing for me to push off a little bit uh, legally, right? And uh, get some separation using my just my strength. But it's funny because like the, the perception slot guys are smaller guys and yeah. quicker, but you but that size can give you an advantage against some of those corners who are not playing there. Yeah, and uh, that's what I was trying to use it to my advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mom's does it well as well. He's uh, obviously a little yeah. bit bigger than I am, but uh, just another guy that is big enough quick enough to play that slot position and uh, kind of use his, his uh, weight and his strength to his uh, advantage. And I know you joke or said the other day, I don't know if you're joking or not, but when Jay had said that you got that locked down, you almost prefer that he would have said you suck. How do you process it after that day? I mean, you know, it's, it's, I mean, because like, you don't, nobody wants to ever get complacent. I'm guessing you wouldn't, but how do you process that even the, over the last couple of days, what he had said? Uh, try really just try not to think about it. I try and think of every position is open and wherever they need me, I'll fill in. That's just how I was born and raised. Uh, my dad did a good job, I guess, just being a team guy. And uh, wherever they need me, I'm going to go and compete. So it, that's how I look at it. Nothing too, uh, I guess, too confusing about it. You also bring some, you got bring some levity to the thing out there, the scarn last year. And, you know, just out here, we saw you after the big skirmish, you're kind of Shadow boxing with Deron Payne and all that. It's like, you know, you see. Payne knows I whoop his ass. <laughs> they all do, though. All the big guys fear me. That's what you want. That's what you want. I couldn't quite possibly could be a bodyguard at the end of my career. So. <laughs> Where do you get that sense of humor? 
What sense of humor? <laughs> you got this dry sense of humor. Wow, dude. <laughs> it's all real. It's real talk. <laughs> it's just me speaking God's honest truth. So I don't have a sense of humor. See, there you go. Well, see, you got me last year on the Chuck Norris question. When I said something, you said, well, who's Chuck Norris? I start to explain. So I'm just kidding, that. dude. It's like, okay, I got your sense of humor now. It's a dry sense of humor, so I'm not falling for that. I <laughs> you that do. I've, t I've told a few people about that. It was pretty that funny. Was <laughs> what reaction did you get to the scarn? Too much of one, probably. Uh, it was kind of like that Mr. Relevant thing. Everybody just wants to talk about that. Like it, at first, it was, oh, you're Mr. Relevant. And then it was like, oh, the scarn. <laughs> I kind of want, like there to be more of a speaking topic than two things in my life. <laughs> so, or three things, because everybody wants to talk about the little ones well, so. Oh, that's right. I, and I wish I talked to you about that. Find the ball again. <laughs> There's going to be some consequences. <laughs> now um, I'm going to. <laughs> Man. Um, Holy stuff. <laughs> um, are you a, were you a big Office fan, I'm assuming? Yes. So what? I'm, I love that. My son, my my kids, and I watch it almost every day. So what's your what's your favorite episode? You got one? Somebody asked me that. Other day. I don't know. I just know I'm that. Not sure even I do either. I today. think the dinner party is more cringe than yeah. Scott's tots and more than Scott's tots. See, that's that's like an unpopular opinion right now that people are frustrated at. So that is because like I mean Scott's tots are hard for me to watch. I can watch the dinner party. Yeah. For most of it, Scott's tots is just painful. I I'd rather sit in Scott's tots and be there for that. Why is that? I don't know. I think it'd be freaking funny to watch like the misery that like, he goes through in the it was, episode. What, which kid? Do you have a favorite character? Creed or Dwight? I don't know. I like. I just like the. I like the freaking weirdos. That's why I say maybe Creed, it fits you. Creed. Creed is like a hundred percent. Like ten, like a hundred percent. Like everything he says is funny. Like there's not like one like terrible scene with the Creed. So. Well, it's funny because he gets like one line a show, maybe, but it is always a good and one. It's impactful, yeah. Yeah, it's great. yeah. Do you? How often do you watch it? Every time I watch TV. Okay, yeah, I'm telling you, like, like I don't, I don't like just like turn on TV and watch like shit. Like, well, like right now, like it's all like film, and then I get in bed and I go to bed. But, like before I go to bed, I'm always watching it. It's my, my, I'm telling you, my son, myself, it's almost every day that yeah. we're home where we're watching that. So. It's just watch, repeat. Yeah. And they're all funny. They're still funny. They are funny. You know, but, That's a good thing about it. So I'm going to go back to sense of humor. Where do you get that? You're going to tell me now or are you going to keep saying this? Dude, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I was ever like... You've got, dude, you've if got you got ask my buddies back home, I'm not funny. Like, I'm like the loser. <laughs> I don't believe that. I, like, all my buddies are like funny and I just sit there and crack up at them. It's well, serious. I'm probably the most like serious and boring person on my friend group back home. But when you're out here, it doesn't seem like that. Because it's football. It's kind of fun. I don't know. Dude, Jay Reed said something about that the other day. He's like, why are you so boring off the field but like really fun on the field? Like, I really don't know. Thanks, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, last one. How, when you look at this receiver core, because a lot of people are talking, you know, there is a lot of talk. There, you guys are a young group. And what do you feel, though, based on what you've seen out here, based on your work with them, what do you feel this group can accomplish? Uh, be the most successful young group of all time. Why, dude? <laughs> See, like you got you got Moreau, all, Hamilton. I don't think the defense likes me. <laughs> so you said you said what about the young receivers? We're gonna be a really successful young receiver group. They, were, I guess, I mean we're young. We can't do anything about it, but we're also really talented and can make plays. So I don't know. It's in the NFL. There's like nobody really cares how young you are. 
Neither do we, so. Coming up, ESPN Eagles reporter Tim McManus is going to share his intel on the Redskins' opposition for Sunday. Now I'm going to bring in Tim McManus, my ESPN counterpart in Philadelphia, and does a terrific job covering the Eagles. And one of the things before we get going, he's written a couple things on Carson Wentz over the last couple weeks, I think it is, Tim, right? That gives you some really good insight into Carson Wentz. If you want to learn about the Redskins opponent and their quarterback, I think that's a good place to start. So, Tim, I'm going to start with Carson. Just in doing all, writing all these stories, being up at camp, what differences have you seen in him? I think the first thing that you notice is uh, on the physical end, and that is, one, he shed the brace that was really hampering him all of last year coming off of the ACL and LCL tear in his left knee, and, uh, and that has allowed him to move a lot freer, uh, and you see that there's less of him. He's, he's leaner than he has been in years past, and that is all part of this new kind of training and diet regimen that he has put himself on uh, in order to kind of try to prevent injuries as much as possible, become more flexible. And uh, also he's moving, you know, a lot lighter than, than we have seen, uh, certainly compared to last year. And the second part of that, which is tied together, is that he's in a better mental space. I mean, it's very clear in his body language, the way that he's carrying himself. He's back to kind of having fun again. So the combination of that uh, has put him in a, a really good place entering uh, the 2019 season, probably the best we've seen him since uh, way back in 2017. What did you see from his performance, even in practices and camp, um, that maybe was a result of all this? Yeah, well, what was interesting is that even though he's feeling better physically, he's not running as much. That was the one thing that has stood out. I mean, I, I can't even remember a single instance watching him all through the spring and summer where he just like kind of scrambled out and did the backyard style of football that you know, really has become his calling card over the first three years of his career. Instead, it was in the pocket, trying to be on time within the structure of the play. And I think that is absolutely something that he came into the season wanting to achieve. And there, there's a couple of reasons for that. And one of them is, he, you know, he looks around and he has so many weapons at his disposal. I mean, from you know, Alshon Jeffrey to Nelson Aguilar to Deshaun Jackson and then all the running backs in the backfield. So just play point guard is, is mm-hmm. one part of it. And the other one I mean, goes back to his health. You know, he's had two major injuries over, over each of the last two seasons, and he wants to be able to stay upright for 16-plus games. So he looks good. The arm looks good. Uh, physically, he looks great. Uh, but at the same time, he's trying to be more of a, a pocket passer as opposed to the old style. That also seems to speak to his comfort, comfort within the offense, I would imagine, as well, and just knowing – maybe a little bit more of the offense or knowing better where to go with the ball, you think? 100%. I mean, he's, he's talked about that, the fact that you know, when he gets through his first or second read and it's not there, like he knows where his back is. Like he's just got a better familiarity with the system, so he doesn't uh, – so he just has more comfort level of, okay, I can go through my progressions faster. All the coaches have talked about that, that he's, that he's operating really quickly right now. So, yeah, it definitely plays a part. You know, it's funny, you bring up all those weapons, and I know if you know, for Redskins fans listening to this, they kind of have the opposite feeling about, I think, their own weapons. At least there's some, a lot of unproven guys here. One of the guys 
from the team you covered, Deshaun Jackson, was here, and I think he's a guy that the Redskins still miss. What impact do you think he'll have this year? I think it's going to be significant. Um, you know, he has sort of just been a model uh, player and teammate since he's come back. And, you know, the, I saw him through his, uh, you know, his first iteration and now this time. And, you know, he's attended every practice. Uh, he has taken, like, some of the younger guys under his wing, like uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Mm. And, uh, you know, he's bonded well with Carson Wentz and the rest of those guys. Uh, and then on the field, you know, he still has that burst, man. I mean, he still is an impossible guy to guard in the training camp setting. I, I mm. saw it way back in the day, uh, and it still holds true. At 32 years old, he still has the jets. He still has the burners, and, and he's going to be able to open it up, you know, uh, take advantage of Carson Wentz's big arm, and obviously with the other weapons that, that Wentz has, you know, with Jackson taking off 60 yards downfield, defenses have to make a decision. And they're going to, if they go with him downfield and honor him as they should, then that means Zach Ertz, who had a you know, uh, record 116 catches for a tight end last year, is going to be wide open over across the middle. I mean, so he's going to have a, a major effect of, of uh, effectively, I think, really opening up things below and then of course taking the top off defense and scoring some of those big touchdowns and you expect him to play sunday i do i do yeah uh and peterson has said as much that he has the broken uh ring finger on his left hands but uh but yeah all signs are pointing to him being out there the other guy to me one of the more intriguing guys with the eagles offense is the rookie running back miles sanders what just because I, you know, they, they go out and they get Jordan Howard and all that, but like it seems like a lot of the buzz I've heard from the Eagles camp has been about Sanders. What, what are you expecting from him? He has generated buzz, and that's not just from the media, but from his uh, teammates as well. Uh, and the reason for it is it's not like he's had a like a number of these crazy plays, but it's just in the way that he kind of operates. Uh, and the, he moves differently than a normal running back. I mean, he's got a little bit of a LaShawn McCoy ability mm. to do the jump cuts and kind of the, the wiggle uh, that some of these uh, elite running backs have uh, with coupled with uh, this ability to accelerate really fast. And he's, so when you see him, even next to some pretty good backs, and he's with Jordan Howard and, and he's with Darren Sproles and Corey Clement, uh, he still stands out. Uh, so I think that obviously they're really high on him. He's going to be used uh, right out of the chute, uh, but I don't think he's going to be like a feature back right okay. out of the gate. I think I think that Howard's going to end up getting more of the touches early, and they're going to feed Sanders more and more as we kind of go along and see what he can handle, make sure that he's good in pass pro. He's had positive signs this summer. Uh, make sure that he holds on to the ball. He had some fumbling issues at Penn State. Uh, and, you know, and continue to just give him more work uh, with the ultimate goal of, of having him get the bulk of the carries. So I think he's going to be a part of the offense right away, no question, and uh, it'll just be more and more as they go. One of the, the strength of the Redskins and of their defenses in particular is that defensive line, and the Eagles have a, a good offensive line too. And what are some of the early things maybe you've heard from the Eagles front about the Redskins line, if anything much? Well, for Lane Johnson, the right tackle, it's been a lot of respect for Ryan Kerrigan. When mm -hmm. asked uh, what it's like going up against him, he said it sucks. <laughs> uh, and then when, you know, on to say just, uh, you know, like every snap, you know, he knows that he has to be on his A game. And they've had uh, a lot of battles 
over a lot of years, and that has grown a tremendous amount of respect from Johnson's part. So he knows that he has his hands full, and he's coming off of uh, a knee injury from last year that kind of sidelined him for the latter parts of training camp. He's a little bit banged up. Uh, Jason Kelsey, the center, mm-hmm. went um, you know through a lot of injuries last year, and they have been cautious with him, I would say, giving him a couple days off here and there to make sure he's right. Brandon Brooks is coming off of an Achilles rupture in January, and uh, he, he is on track to play in this game, okay. according to, to Doug Peterson. Uh, so I, I would say that you know they have to kind of get their own house in order in terms of like getting over these injuries and finding you know it's a veteran group, but they haven't really played together this this off season. So kind of rediscovering that chemistry, and they know they have their hands full absolutely with uh, the Washington defensive front is that the biggest question you have about this offense yeah I would say so I would say that um, the age overall on this team is like if there's one like concern it's it's how old they are they're the second oldest team in the NFL behind the Patriots and and that's really represented along the offensive front where all of these guys are are older Jason Peters of course is uh, right. the elder statesman and he's had some injuries of his own that he's coming off of so I would say yes to that that and making sure that everybody's happy because there's so many <laughs> uh, different toys that went to as at his disposal and making sure you know the egos are kind of checked at the door is going to be a big key for this offense okay, just just a couple more here and I do want to ask you about some of the new Redskins that who had been in Philly but looking at the defense what has Zach Brown what's Zach Brown's role for this team uh, he's been thrust into a more prominent role as a result of a couple injuries uh, to the Eagles linebacking core. And Kamu Gruje Hill was somebody who's supposed to start for them, uh, but he ended up injuring his knee, and he's going to be sidelined for what looks like a few weeks. And that kind of elevates uh, Brown up the depth chart. So I think that you're going to see plenty of them on Sunday, uh, where he's going to be working. Um, it depends on whether Nigel Bradham gets back. He's been sidelined as well, but they say that he's supposed to play, and we have seen reps with him at the mic, uh, which has put <clears throat> Zach Brown on, on an outside spot. Okay. Uh, but So he's going to be uh, working, I think, mixing in with the, with the starting group, and I would say that's one of the, the weakest areas of this uh, Eagles defense and, and team overall is linebacker quality and depth. And so Brown is going to have to step in and, uh, and get some production for defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz. You know, and it's funny because I think there might be some offensive coaches here who are okay with that. But the thing with Brown is, is <laughs> they saw here is that he can make big plays, but then they felt like he would get fooled at times too. So what's been his reputation there? Yeah, I think that's, that's pretty well it. I mean, they haven't seen it too much in live action for him to gain like a reputation here right. yet but but um you know it precedes him a little bit i think that fans uh, that just kind of look and they see you know close to 100 tackles or 100 right. tackles in a season are like man this guy's this guy's a machine um but there's a reason why uh, those guys you know if they're jumping from team to team or if they're available especially after the opening wave of free agency i mean you have to you have to consider why that might be so um yeah i think I think that will be kind of the give and take with him is, you know, you get some splash plays, you get some production, but then you also get him kind of out of gaps and uh, allowing big plays as well. And that'll be, you know, something that he's going to have to uh, kind of rein in, I think, uh, for this uh, middle of this defense to be successful. Absolutely. Well, that's that defensive line too. You're talking about the Redskins line, but that defensive line too with Malik Jackson coming there now and 
Fletcher Cox and, and that group. How strong is that? Is that I mean, is that I'm assuming that's the strength of that D. Yes, I would say yes to that. Uh, and the middle of the defense in yeah. particular, middle of the defensive front, Fletcher Cox. He hasn't been able to practice in his own right. I mean, you're you're hearing kind of a you know a, a theme here on the defense. There's a lot of players that haven't been able to step foot on the field much this summer because of injuries, and that applies to Fletcher Cox as well. He's coming off of foot surgery and hasn't really been able to practice, but he's expected to play this week, uh, and he'll be paired alongside Malik Jackson. And they have Tim Jernigan right under him. I mean, that's a that's a really strong, you know, one, two, three of defensive tackles there. And then they have a veteran and Brandon Graham, along with a younger guy in Derek Barnett, who's coming off an injury in his yeah. own respect, but has a lot of promise. Uh, so there's a couple questions on defensive end. They they lost uh, Michael Bennett and Chris Long, their two most productive DNs this off season. Uh, but uh, but they feel really good overall about the uh, the strength of that defensive line and its depth. Two more questions, Tim. Is this team better than you than the one that maybe won that super, went on that Super Bowl run? Do you think? I think it's more talented. I do. I think that there is more talent and and depth from top to bottom on this roster. Uh, but something that you witness when uh, when the team that you cover goes through a Super Bowl run is you know a lot of things have to go right, uh, and also the way that the the team uh, bonds. It's so critical. Sure. I mean, if you just think of the adversity that they had to overcome in 2017, I mean, they lost their starting quarterback. They lost their starting left tackle. They lost one of their running backs. They lost their middle linebacker. Uh, they lost so many guys, and yet there was, like, such resilience on that team and, like, this crazy amount of chemistry that, like, uh, you know, you would better, you know, you would, uh, you know, vote against them in a given game, and then you saw their body language when you showed up, and you're like, oh, that was a mistake. <laughs> this team's about to crush people. Um, you know, so – so uh, talent, I've seen it go the other way. The dream team, sure, absolutely, 2011, and uh, where you know they ended up not even coming close to expectations. So yes, most most talented uh, that Doug Peterson has had, but that gets you as we've seen only so far. Very much so. Um, last one, the, the Redskins picked up a couple guys from the Eagles this week: Wendell Smallwood, Trayvon Hester. What are the Redskins getting in those guys? Well, Trayvon Hester is uh, the author of the double doink. I don't know if you yeah, the, knew that. Yeah, but the uh, he got a he got a finger on the. Uh, on Cody Parkey's kick that ended up in a double doink in that playoff game <laughs> against the Bears. Uh, and he is a solid uh, NFL player uh, that can that can be serviceable in a rotation. I like him. I was a little bit surprised that the Eagles got rid of him. They have, as we talked about, their own defensive line depth, so I get it. But, uh, but I think Washington ends up with a, with a nice player there. And Smallwood is, uh, is a serviceable back that can be effective in spots. I mean, mm-hmm. he has good acceleration. Uh, he can come in and, and give you some production. He was the second-leading rusher last year for the Eagles after they got hit with a bunch of injuries. And he can serve as a kick returner for you as well. Uh, you know, so someone that can help, help your backfield, not kind of lead your backfield, uh, but some, some nice depth. Um, and I'm sure he'll be motivated to play this week. Very good, Tim. I hope you. I hope everybody appreciate that insight, Tim. I thank you for joining me, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, sounds good. Thank you, John. Okay, now here are some of my quick thoughts on the Redskins season opener. My big concern is the Redskins' left side of the line against that Eagles front, as well as all the new parts at receiver and having a new quarterback. It takes time for a group like that to mesh, and it's asking a lot for that to happen in the season opener on the road against one of the best teams in the NFC. I am looking forward to see what Darius Geis offers, though. 
The thing I'm looking forward to the most probably in this game is how the Redskins defense challenges the Eagles offense. We know all about the Eagles offensive talent. If the Redskins defense can limit them, then if nothing else coming out of this game, it proves that that side of the ball is not only headed in the right direction, but is already at a certain point. That's it for this week. Thank you very much to Santana Moss, Trey Quinn, and Tim McManus for joining me. And as always, thank you for listening.